name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, happy Mother's Day to our moms present this morning, as well as those we celebrate who remain present with us in memory. In light of the day, I'd like to share with you a story about a mom whose love for her family and for the Lord gives us a bit of an example, a case study, if you will, for John 15 that we just heard a moment ago, and also gives us uh, some lessons in prayer. Uh, whereby we understand love perfected in prayer. Now, this mother and wife uh, had a very difficult life and home situation that could have left her bitter, could have left her nagging, could have left her despairing and cynical. But rather, instead, um, she allowed those moments to forge within her a deeper relationship with the Lord and a deeper conviction and love for our Lord and her family. This mother's husband was not a believer, um, and he was less than tolerant with her faith early on. Um, he kind of uh, put her down time and time again and um, chastised her charity and her benevolence and her faith, and, and also beyond that uh, was a very harsh and bitter man and a little promiscuous as well. And yet in the midst of it all, um, she persevered, she prayed for him, and she stuck it out. To add insult to injury, his mother also lived with them, and it was clear as to why his behavior was the way that it was, as she was an unsufferable woman who lived in their house. And if all that isn't difficult enough, they had children, but only three of them survived infancy. Beyond that, as their children grew up, her husband was tolerant of her teaching them her faith, but his absence from any part of that was clear to them, and they didn't really want to have much to do with this faith of their mother as well. One child in particular was particularly difficult. As he grew, um, he chose a very immoral life, and she had to stand her ground time and time again with him at some points not even allowing him in the home because of his choices and his behavior. Yet in the midst of it all, she loved them, she continued to pray for them, and she never gave up. She had a vision later in life that this particularly troubled son would indeed return to the Lord, and that reinvigorated her once more as she fasted and prayed continually for his return. And in God's goodness, she saw miraculous things come to pass. Her husband came to the faith and was baptized one year before his death. His mother-in-law, her mother-in-law, also um, came to the faith as well. And as for that wayward child, he did indeed come back, came back to the faith and returned and became one of the most towering figures in all of Christendom. His name, we know, St. Augustine. And that mother is Monica of whom we know very little apart from the lessons that he writes about her in his confessions as she is paid great homage for his coming back to faith and her perseverance in prayer all those many years for him, for his father, and for their family. It's an amazing story of a mother's love and points to the fact that perhaps the truest act of love comes in prayer 
When we talk about that term love in our language, it means any number of things that you can shove into it. But when we see it in its purest form, we see it mirroring God's heart for us and love for us as we see captured in John 15 this morning. So if you'll open there with me, let's take a look at this once more and perhaps discover um, three lessons of prayer that may assist us in our own journey with the Lord in both loving Him and loving those around us. Now, this passage, of course, as you know, picks up on the heels of where it begins at the beginning of John 15 with this illustration of the vine and the branches as Jesus builds upon this teaching of love and obedience. And we'll take note that in these three verses, 9, 10, and 11, Jesus uses one word three times. And that word is what? It's abide. Abide, continue, remain, persist, persevere in my love. And Jesus tells us in verse 10 how we do that. The how comes in obedience to what God commands. Now, when we hear obedience, we often bristle a little bit. It, it seems to step on the toes of somehow our freedom or independence, but what God is teaching in God incarnate Jesus Christ is not just legislating love through Jesus, but Jesus is calling us into the very same example that he himself has modeled for us time and time again. First, from the moment that he steps off his throne in heaven, in obedience to walk among us, to each teaching and ministry moment along the way, as he was tempted in every way as we are and yet did not sin, did not fall for lesser loves of ego or power, affirmation, or anything of that matter, and ultimately demonstrating the greatest act of love upon the cross, as captured a verse later in verse 12. Jesus acted in loving obedience time and time again and shows us that, no, indeed, he didn't come to legislate love or make us less human by commanding us to do certain things, but rather to find true freedom and joy as verse 11 captures. Ironically, the world thinks that that freedom and joy is found in pursuing whatever we choose to love, and yet we know that it often causes heartbreak, as it did for Monica and her family and so many others down the way. Indeed, it actually shackles us and leaves us less than human as we become enslaved by so many lesser things. And thus, Jesus really comes to show us how to be who we are created to be, made in the image of God. And so I think here we find a valuable lesson for us about prayer as well. Because prayer, after all, is really how we learn to love in many ways. And here we find in this abiding that we are called to persevere in God's love, persevere in prayer. Because prayer is the vehicle by which we do just that. And by persevere, I mean every definition of the word as it applies in this circumstance. Persevering in setting a regular time to never flag or never allow a full schedule to supersede times with him. Persevering as Monica did, day in and day out, praying for those things that maybe we'll see the fruit of and maybe we pass through this entire life and never see the answers or the results of our prayers. Persevering in our own lives to wrestle down our own heart and will with the Lord in it all, as we persevere in prayer, we, we grow in love. 
because it's a vehicle by which we communicate with God and He communicates with us. It keeps us connected to Him. In many ways, so often, prayer is seen as this thing church people do just to get to whatever we need to do. And we fail to see that prayer is the work. It's the most vital work we can undertake. Prayer is not just a Hail Mary and a last hope or a need for direction when we hit crossroads in life, but it is our hope. It is the way we remain connected because it's the way that God transforms us into the likeness of Jesus as he loves us and imparts to us what he has for us in this life. It's a two-way street prayer, that is. One whereby we lift up but also receive. And as we do so, um, we also gain a little bit of further clarity um, in how to love and our greater depth of understanding of love in that process. And see what I mean if we look back in verse 12, where we'll discover a bit more in a second closely related lesson. Jesus raised the stakes in verse 12 by saying, here's what such love looks like. Love as I have loved you, something that is concrete and selfless, something that comes in verse 13 in this moment where Jesus lays down his life for his friends. And there's an interesting pivot there that happens in verse 13. This is the first time the disciples are not just called disciples or followers, but now they're called friends. Because as Jesus says, as he reiterates, friends and friends alone know the family business, know all the ins and outs, the depths of uh, our hearts, not just people who are commanded to follow along, or um, in those days, a rabbi and his students who would just learn one's teaching, but it was a very strictly relationship-oriented teaching for the purposes of communicating knowledge. No, they had drawn near, and God had drawn near to them in the person of Jesus. I think in this moment, we discover a very closely related and obvious second lesson that we often forget about love um, as we see it modeled in prayer, namely that love is deeply personal. And not that love is just personal, but prayer itself is deeply personal. We get the first part. Sure, love between friends, between family members, between siblings and spouses is is deeply personal. But prayer sometimes seems a little bit more mechanistic at times. We, We fail to see how deeply personal it can be, not just in seeking answers for questions of life or a word from the Lord or direction. Uh, While it includes those things, it also forms in us that greater relationship with the Lord as well. It transforms us. It's God's intervention in our lives and in the world as we find wholeness in Him and the ways that others find wholeness in Him through us. Just as it did for Monica, it forms in us the likeness of Jesus, that in many ways we become as he is. Monica, in her own strength, couldn't be long-suffering, couldn't be patient to a fault, couldn't keep from becoming calloused or bitter, or understand the depths of her rejection, but Jesus could, and Jesus could make her as he is, one who's long-suffering and patient with us, whose temper does not flare, whose love abounds despite the circumstances, and who seeks 
the greater good. In many ways, you see, prayer, if we devote ourselves to it, um, becomes that two-way street whereby something is forged in us, namely that we look like Jesus. In this wonderful tradition that we have as Anglicans, um, we have these great written prayers, and those are wonderful. They give us templates for how to pray, often as the opening collects do, right? Um, launching in with who God is and His goodness and His mercy. He's almighty. He's, he's vast and wonderful. Then there's a middle of every collect that usually brings forward a petition. Lord, assist us to do these things. And then it ends with some sort of kind of a closing doxology, if you will, and prayer through Jesus' name. It gives us a template. But we shouldn't think that prayer is just often this kind of mechanistic way where we do that or we tick off our to-do list of things we must pray for, but it's something whereby it is deeply personal in relationship with our Lord, whereby we cry out, as I'm sure if we could see Monica's prayers before our Lord, she cried out in fervency before him, as one does talking to a friend. We see it recorded in Scripture, in Deuteronomy, of course, right, where Moses' prayers are deeply personal, almost to a fault, where Moses says things in numbers of the people of Israel that he's charged to walk with, Lord, did I birth these people? Why must I suffer with them? Why did you call me to lead them? Um, what is the point of all of this? Um, these are things that a friend would share, and yet he's sharing them with Almighty God. It's deeply relational. Or Teresa of Avila, who has written volumes on the depths of the interior heart and prayer, captures things like, Lord, if this is how you treat your friends, it's no wonder you have so few of them. Um, these are relational things. And I don't mean to be flippant at all, but I mean to say that we shouldn't see prayer as something other than or standoffish, but we should see it as something just as normal as whoever the person you'd pick up the phone and call to pour out your woes of the day or to seek direction. Prayer forms in us something good and abiding and allows us to have the love of God more fully in our hearts. This is why Jesus came, that they may be as he is, as we see this passage concludes back in verse 16 where we find one final lesson about learning to love and prayer. It ties it all together. Jesus came that we might be as he is, namely bearing fruit, and that our fruit may remain, it may abide, it may persist. And that only comes as we remain persistent and deeply connected personally in prayer with our Savior. And we discover at the heart of it all, the heart of prayer, and this is the key difference, of course, and what it means to have a personal uh, prayer life with our Lord is it's deeply humble, just as it was for Jesus. Jesus, in humility, of course, enters the world, walks among us, and in the greatest act of humility, dies for us. And such love is perfected in us when we see and recognize this deep truth in verse 15, or 16, excuse me, where Jesus says that um, I chose you. That forms our prayer life. I chose you, you did not choose me. And that um, is, a, is a huge moment whereby we realize that I'm not in charge going to the cosmic genie asking for what I want so that he'll execute it on my will and behalf. But rather in humility, I come before the maker of all creation and ask of him in humility, in my limited understanding, asking for healing in situations I don't fully understand, 
asking for wisdom as I best understand it and have ascertained it in conversations with others, and then asking him to direct it, shift it, or mold it however he wants, recognizing in humility that he is God and I am not. While it is deeply personal, and while it is forged um, in perseverance, something within us changes as we walk with him, namely the posture of our heart changes as we learn to love more fully, more perfectly, a final lesson for us to ponder. That prayer perfects the love in us as we are perfected in Christ Jesus. That's the end of the Christian life, to be made as he is. We don't fully see that perfection, this side of the veil, but we're called to grow a bit more in it every day, to be as he is, which is something we can't do in ourselves, but that he does in us. And we catch glimpses of that when that love is perfected as we seek justice, not for our own ends or those of others, but um, more perfectly as God does. We seek peace as God desires peace. The mere forms we catch glimpses of in this life in various efforts and means become perfected through God's perfect love at work in us. And that's why we must persevere. That's why we must continue um, in this deeply personal relationship with our Lord. And that's why through the highs and lows and all that we pour out, we don't just ask God to bless off on our efforts in life, but we in humility come to him and trust that in those moments he perfects something deeper within us. As we move from um, selfishness to selflessness, as we move um, from holding grudges to forgiving, as we move to be as he is, and as so many towering moments down the ages in the lives of the saints remind us. Because the saints' lives, those of Monica and so many others that we think of that are great examples, are really pointed towards love perfected and ultimately perfected on the other side of eternity as they stand in God's presence. But as they move through that life, this life that we walk, we're reminded that we can indeed draw near to him and God indeed draws near to us as we seek his will for us. So as we move through this season um, and we remember this day on Mother's Day, um, some of the long-suffering moments that our mothers have borne with us and mothers that you have borne with your children, um, we remember indeed that prayer is the means by which we can love more perfectly. And as we as a church look to this next season, looking out, lifting our gaze a little bit beyond COVID, may we remember that the work indeed is one of prayer, because it's there that we find true joy at the center of God's will for us corporately and individually. Prayer is the vehicle whereby this happens. As Jesus modeled it to us, we persevere. In doing so, we remember it's deeply personal. And in that deepening relationship of love, we recognize that love is perfected in us as we are more formed in his image. So on this Mother's Day, as we reflect on this theme of love, may we catch glimpses of it in this passage that remind us of the deep, deep love that the Father has for us. And it's my prayer that this day you will receive such love, you will embrace such love, you will abide in such love, and you will do so not just this day, but every day until we stand in the presence of love perfected, in the presence of Jesus Christ forevermore. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.